0: beautiful welcome to sell like a woman the podcast the place to be to learn how to get anything you want whether it's more money more customers or even to get your kiddo to go to bed on time or your spouse to help with the laundry I'm your host Kendrick Show, and welcome to sell like a woman the podcast To sell like a woman, the podcast. Happy 2018. Can you believe that it is already January? I hope you had a fabulous holiday season. And I am telling you what, you are in for a treat today. You want to just make sure you pay attention to this because we have Jordana Jaffe here with us, and she is going to tell us all of the secrets and the tips and the tricks on how to have an epic 2018. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for being here. So a little bit about Jordana and how Jordana and I know each other, we really didn't know each other that well. Uh, You know, it's one of the things that is beautiful about being in the online world and the online space where you see people, you read about them, you're inspired by their posts and you've never actually spoken. But when we started this podcast, I knew that I wanted to have her on here because she's got a dynamic story and I can't wait for you all to hear from her. So welcome to the show, Jordana. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. It is absolutely my pleasure. So Jordana, we were talking about this a little bit before we, we, we started the show. Tell me a little bit about how the nourish boss came to be. That's where you can find Jordana, the nourish And we'll link to that here. Tell me how it got started. Tell me about the evolution. Cause it's been an exciting ride. Yeah. So I've been an
1: entrepreneur for over 10 years and, um, and I've done a bunch of things along the way. And, uh, what basically happened was that um, the past two years before, um, so basically from, I guess like 2015 and 16, I really heavily focused on Facebook groups and so much so that I feel like I definitely became this expert around Facebook groups, around strategizing, around engagement, around inspiring sales and in Facebook groups and all that stuff. And towards the end of 2016, uh, it just, something just started feeling off about it. I feel like the Facebook landscape was changing. Um, I felt like, you know, it's, it, it just, it, something fell off. A few things fell off. So in addition to that, um, my wife and I were expecting our first child. She was due um, in the middle of January. So I spent the beginning of January kind of, um, doing what was that, what was, what is now like my last launch around Facebook group stuff. And then I didn't really know what was next. I got, and, and what was funny is that, you know, and I don't know um, how many of you can relate to this. I'm sure, I'm sure you can, but I'm, I'm quite the planner. So especially around the new year, right? I love like new year vibes. I love, I just love it. It's like kind of, it's that and like the beginning of the school year in September. So um, I really wanted to plan. But, you know, we were having this baby and I never had a baby before. So, I, you know, not that even if you've had a baby before, perhaps you still don't really know what to plan. But I definitely didn't know what to plan because we're having this baby. I didn't know what my sleep schedule or lack thereof was going to be like. I didn't really know anything. I felt like I was kind of going into this like abyss of, of like unknownness, um, which is very frustrating, <laughs> even though I was very excited to have my baby, our baby. So um, I kind of, you know, stepped back and um, my wife was basically like, um, we basically kind of agreed that for the first like two months or so, we were just going to be present, which (laughs) would have had to happen otherwise anyway, because, you know, we had this new baby and sleeping was weird and all that stuff. And then what eventually happened was I think March happened. So Parker, our son was around, I don't know, six weeks old, you know, two months old And I started kind of getting this itch of like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And um, I didn't really know. And that was also really frustrating because, you know, I think that we have have certain expectations of how things will go in life. And I had a certain expectation of like, okay, I'm going to have my son and life will change, right? So I expected life to change. I expected sleep to change. I expected priorities to change, but I did not expect to have like a business crisis, <laughs> like a business identity crisis. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a really, it was challenging, you know, thank goodness from a financial standpoint, we were okay because Jenna was still working and we had savings and whatnot, but you know, it just, it felt really scary. Um, and yeah. yeah. Um, that
0: makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, there's so much, so many juicy nuggets in that, in that, that I would love to, to, to pull out. The first thing is, you know, I think that you hit the nail on the head and I've, I've never really talked about this, but you're right. You, you know, everybody tells you when you're, when you're going to have a baby, you're sleep, you know, get as much sleep as you can before you have the baby. Because once you have the baby, I'm like, what does that even mean? You can't stock up on sleep. Don't tell right. me. That.
1: If only. Yeah. If only. If so only. you know
0: everything's going to change, right? Like, you know, the tangible things that are going to change, but I kind of had a spiritual crisis after Haliana was born. Um, and, and, and so I think that, it, you know, when you, are holding this child and you realize how much you love this little human being, it changes your perspective on everything. It's like when you get new glasses and you put them on and you're like, oh my God, I can see again, right? Mm -hmm. And so it led you into sort of this business, maybe not crisis, but where does the business go from here? And so talk to us about what you did, because I would say a lot of our listeners are there. You know, they're wondering what's next. Maybe they're not feeling the excitement, the joy, the whatever. There's, there's transition. And so what do you do? What advice do you have when you start feeling that way?
1: Yeah. So at first, I really just didn't know. And uh, so if, if, if those of you listening don't know either, that's all good because I didn't know. So I didn't really know. And it was really frustrating. And then I said, okay, like, what, what do I do? Because I'm such an action taker. I like to fix things. So I was like, I need a plan of some sort. So, what I started doing is, I started what was called this this thing that I named called like business connection. And what that basically meant was that every day I committed to an hour of just somehow feeling connected to my business. Now, that could really be anything that could be journaling, that could be brainstorming, that could be reading a book that I thought would give me some insights, that could be I don't know really what I did during it or that, I don't know, creation of some sort. Yeah. But it, but it just, it made me feel a little focused and a little grounded of like, okay, like what you're going to do is you're just going to spend one hour a day doing like this business connection, whatever that means to you, whatever feels best to you and, uh, and something will come of it. And that kept, and I kept doing that. I kept doing that. And, you know, things started surfacing, but it was just so crazy because the ideas that came in my head during that time, now that I look back, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like they felt like, I was like, should I start? Because I was like, what do I really like to do? I was like, I love to cook. I was like, should I, should I be like a a food blogger? And And then I was like, and then there was even a time that I was like, do I do I not want to work at all ever? Like, do I just want to be a mom? And then there was a time that I was like, Do I want to go to corporate America, which I never was in in the first place? So I mean, it really felt like a big shift. And then I got this book that I actually just read like the first chapter of, but it really had good nuggets in it, and I trust that if I continued reading it, it would have been helpful. But I didn't need to anymore, which is called um, Pivot by Jenny Blake, yeah. and. What I really liked about what she said is that she said, you know, we, we identify these moments that I keep referring to as a crisis, really as a pivot. And I think that's a really nice way to reframe it and to be like, okay, this isn't a crisis. Like A crisis is, you know, a terminal illness. A crisis is, um, you know, like a, something like medical or, you know, a divorce, you know, something like that. But like, this isn't a crisis. This is simply a pivot. Right. So I think that was nice because it allowed me to like, not catastrophize it as much as I probably was. Um, And then what basically happened, I started journaling a lot lot more. And then on July 7th, 2017, and I just remember the date because it's so magical um, because of all the number, the sevens in it, I came up with the idea of Nourish Boss. But what that basically means is that I came up with the name and I came up with like a very loose concept of what it would be. Like, I didn't really have all the answers at all.
0: So... I, I'm, I'm curious about, it's funny, you referenced Jenny Blake. I have a funny Jenny Blake story. She was the first email list I ever subscribed to when I was leaving corporate America. And I will never forget this. One of her autoresponders, I didn't know what autoresponders were, but I was like, oh my God, this woman wrote me. And it said in the bottom, respond with your feedback or your questions. Or It was a great call to action because I responded and somebody from her team or maybe her emailed me back. And I was like, this is amazing, everybody should do this. Little did I know, everybody does do that. But every time I hear her name, I think back to sitting on my bed in Chicago and getting that email. Like, oh my God, she actually emailed me. But um, I've heard that that book is fantastic, by the way. I'm, I'm gonna pick it up, I, I keep forgetting to do it, but I need to, I need, I need to read it, so thanks for the reminder. You're so, welcome. were you freaking out? I mean, you, you had this, you know, I, I, you had this, shift right after you had had your child after y'all had the baby and then you didn't know and it sounds like you were really okay kind of with not knowing and you committed to taking some inspired action every day uh, to connect with your business. But then before you had the mindset shift of uh, don't freak out to pivot. Pivot. Why are you free? I sound like Ross on Friends. Pivot. Were you were you freaking out? Yeah. You're a doer. Yeah, no, I was
1: freaking out. I mean, it doesn't, I don't think most people feel really great in like what I call limbo land, you know, Mm -hmm. like it, it, um, I mean, yeah, it wasn't comfortable because I like having projects. I like having a focus. I liked, I wanted to help people, but I, I just didn't know, I felt like I had all this in me, but I didn't know what to do with it. And they didn't. Yeah.
0: I'm getting you off. I'm so sorry. I'm no, not- no, no. Yeah. So that's that. So yeah, it was for sure
1: frustrating. It was definitely a navigation. And perhaps, you know, it's funny because I've been in this business game for long enough to really know, trust, and believe and firsthand experience that, you know, the breakdown is always before the breakthrough and the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. So I think that like underneath all the frustration, there was a part of me that that knew that on some level, that trusted that, that yeah. That I was counting that. on it. But I was like, where is it? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Get there quicker, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for those of you all are listening, I mean, I think that that is a, not I think I know, that's a really important key takeaway here. The breakdown comes before the breakthrough and the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. And that's some light at the end of the tunnel because running a business is freaking hard. I don't care what anybody says. It's hard. It has times when it's hard. And so the breakdown, it comes before the breakthrough. I love that, love that, love that. So as you figured it out, right? As, it, as you as you transitioned into a Nourish Boss, and for a, for a while in the beginning, you were talking some about self ep, taking epic self care of yourself, right? In general. So, and it's and then as we talked about before we we started, it's transitioned even more into mindset. So, I think that. You know what? Take us through that. So you started the Nourish Boss and it sounds like the focus was self-care. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I started Nourish Boss and I was like, I'm not really sure what I want to specifically focus on. So kind of like the three branches in my head were um, positive mindset, having a positive mindset, self-care and being productive. Like those were kind of like the three um, branches of being a Nourish Boss. So I kind of went with it, right? Like I created freebies around productivity, self-care and mindset. And I talked about those three things and all that stuff. And, um, I don't know. I, I think that like that in and of itself was such a relief because I was like, okay, I have forward movement. I have direction yeah. and all that stuff. But I think I also knew like, this isn't so clear. Like I knew that something else was going to come from it. And then I don't know. And then within two months or so, I kind of just found myself gravitating more towards talking about mindset stuff and talking about Um, how the way we think creates the way we feel creates the way we do and then creates our results. And I just started having a lot more fun talking about that than I did talking about anything else. That isn't to say that I don't love self-care because I'm all about the self-care and productivity isn't totally my jam too. But, um, but it became kind of like, um, mindset became the focus
0: Okay. So, you know, that reminds me of a great quote that my, my, one of my best friends says, Jenny, she clarity comes from taking action. You uh-huh. know, so many times we sit around and we Google and we read and, but it's not real action. You created the freebies. You did, you know, you followed you, productivity, whatever you want to call it. I love that, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. So, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to say this exactly like you said it, but our thoughts create our feelings. Is that what you said? Yes. Our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings create what?
1: Our feelings create, I think our feelings determine our actions.
0: Great. Our feelings determine our actions. So our thoughts determine our feelings. Our feelings determine our actions. Yeah. So to play devil's advocate, yeah. what about when you can't get out of your head? What about when you're like, everything sucks? And, and I know people want to say, oh, I never think that, but you, we all do. And yeah. if I just changed X, my whole life would be better. Right. What do you do? Yeah. So basically,
1: I believe that thoughts that don't feel good are limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So what's a limiting belief? A limiting belief is a thought that we've convinced ourselves is true because we've gathered enough evidence to support that it is, right? But there's enough evidence in the world to support anything. Like if I said to someone, why is today the best day of your life? It would, it would, you know, questions direct our attention, right? So it would um, invite the person to scour their brain and be like, okay, what's all the evidence to support today being the best day of my life? And likewise, if I was like, why is today the worst day of your life? Same thing, right? Regardless of whether it's a great day or a bad day, maybe it'd be easier or harder, but you could still find that evidence because there's always enough evidence to support any belief. So let's say you have a really crappy belief or thought it's because you have gathered over time evidence to support it. So, I mean, and I I take my clients through this. I mean, basically what you then do is that you first acknowledge that this belief, this thought isn't true, that you've just conditioned yourself to believe it. And then the next step is that you say to yourself, okay, like how am I benefiting from holding on to this belief? What is it protecting me from? How is it keeping me safe? Um, who would I be? How would I show up differently? What would I think if I didn't have this belief? And you start kind of realizing that not only are limiting belief, it, it's like limiting beliefs. Yes, there are lies, but simultaneously they're kind of, um, they have good intentions, right? They want to keep us safe because yeah. our ego believes that something is dangerous out there. Yes. So, so yeah. So I mean, I think that um, I, if you feel like you can't change a thought that's simply because you just keep looking for the evidence to support it but if you start just investigating it you know I kind of see it as um, if you guys have watched law and order right so I imagine always that that room in law and order where like the alleged criminal is with the investigators right so imagine the alleged criminal is your thought and the investigators are you so instead so no one comes you know so when a criminal when an alleged criminal comes into that room, that person doesn't say something and then the investigators are like, yes, definitely. I agree with you. No, they question, they get curious, they, they, they investigate, they, you know, it's, it's a conversation. It's not like, oh, this, whatever this person says is a fact. And I kind of see the same relationship with you and your thoughts.
0: Great. So let's talk about people who are well, let, let's go back a few steps. So people who are even unaware of the thought. So let's say that I, I wake up every day and I, I hate my life or I hate my life's drastic. I, I'm, I'm unhappy and I think it's because I don't like my job or I just need customers or I just need money in the blank bank. Those are all thoughts, but I'm not aware. Like I believe that is my reality. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. So how do you recognize that you're in this pattern? How do you go from... Uh, in the beginning, if you're not aware of thought work, if you're not aware of limiting beliefs and you just take this to mean, no, I really feel like crap today. And that is my truth. How do you, what's the first step in realizing, oh, wait, I have control over this thought.
1: Right. So I think the first step comes with desire, right? You have to have the desire to change. So the good news is that the crappier you feel, the more urgent it sometimes becomes to want to change, right? So because complacency doesn't really create change. So um, I think the person would have to say to themselves, like, this isn't feeling good Mm -hmm. and um, it doesn't feel good enough that I'm willing to try something new, that I'm willing to explore something new, that I'm willing to – potentially investigate things that might feel uncomfortable because this does not feel good at all right so I think that it starts with desire desire to change if the person doesn't have a desire to change it doesn't really matter
0: yeah right. that's fantastic yeah. I agree I agree not not that I'm a mindset expert but I think that that's what led me on not I think I know I led me on the the journey to even figuring out you know what my thoughts were. I was so unhappy and had seemingly no reason to be unhappy. So I guilted myself about being unhappy, you know, um, and started reading and consuming as much material as I can. And then I realized, Oh my gosh, all these things that I've been telling myself every day are not true. Who knew it changed my life forever. So I love that this is your message. So let's let's talk for just a minute i'm going to like do a huge 180 here and i intended to talk about this at the top of the show but you reference that when you got you know you've been in this in the in this industry for a long time 10 years um and you reference that for a while you were facebook groups were your thing and i'll have to say still to this day when i think of who do you want to learn from about facebook groups i think of you so you did a fantastic job there and I happen to be lucky enough to be part of a Facebook group that you've created, and I am blown away by the sense of the community in there, by how everyone helps each other, by the level of engagement, and that's because of you. So for our people who run an online business, uh, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but why is this sense of community so important? Um...
1: So I'm biased because I mean, I, I, I can answer that question, but I just want to preface it with saying I'm biased because I'm kind of like a community junkie, which is, um, I think in part what led to the whole Facebook group obsession, because I just, I can't help myself but create new communities. It's like, it's like an itch that I just need to scratch. It's, it's just like a thing. So like shopping for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Except not I yeah. altruistic. Okay. Yes. Go ahead.
1: My wife would agree with you on the shopping for her. But no, shopping's not for me, but community community creation is for me. So it's and that's the thing with, with Facebook groups, it was never really a strategy. It was it was that itch that I needed to scratch. It was like I just need to create another community. So so that's my experience, right? I don't think any I don't think everyone necessarily has this like can't help themselves obsession with creating community. Um, But why is community important in general? I mean, I think that, I think we all want to feel like we belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, whether, you know, whether we, regardless of whether we work offline or online or work as an entrepreneur in corporate America, I think we all want to feel like we belong somewhere. And I think that we all want to feel seen. And I think we all want to feel heard. And I think we all want to feel witnessed on some level. and, and we want validation and and all that stuff. So I think that especially with online entrepreneurs who typically, you know, work by themselves in their home by themselves. Now I'm an introvert again, so I dig it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to work and hang out with a lot of people every day. You know, I mean, my wife's also an entrepreneur, so that that's, that's, I like that company for sure. But, um, So that works for me. But I think that it's just really nice to have a home base in some ways or to have multiple home bases and to just feel like there is some place that I can go, whether, you know, physically or virtually and be real and just not put on the mask and not, you know, put on the show and just say my stuff and feel safe and feel seen and feel heard and feel validated. And I think that sense of belonging, I think that sense of safety, I think that sense of groundingness allows us to grow. You know, it's kind of like, it's like a like it's like um, contrived isn't the right word, but it's like a, a contrived family of some sort. It's like recreating the family structure as an adult using non-biological family members, right? Um, Because if you think about it, when you come from a really grounded and safe family, that allows you to kind of leave the nest more easily because there's a place that you can come home to. There's a place that feels safe, right? Um, And I think that's the same thing with community that we're creating now. Just the sense of I can grow, I can do scary things because there's this place that I can come back to. There's a place that I can come back to to hold me and anchor me and... Um, help fill me up again so that I can keep growing in ways that might not feel so cozy and safe immediately.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, we talk about obviously sales is, is my thing. Um, and so we talk about the seven steps of selling and um, step number two is engagement. And it's, it's, So many people leave that out. So many people want to go from, I've got this amazing product. I want to close you on it. And they miss the engagement. And that's one of the things that I think Facebook communities does. It bridges the gap between, hey, I've got this amazing product to buy product, to buy for me, buy for me, buy from me. That engagement, I think that that's what it does. And it is a difference maker for people who do it well. Um, One, on the personal side, but two, from a business perspective. Because people want to buy from people they like and they know and they think are real.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I also from a business perspective, right? So I was kind of thinking about it more from just a community peer-to-peer. But from a business perspective, I mean, community allows, lends itself to being like a focus group. Community yeah. allows itself to like, you know, answer questions. It's like the past few days I've been just because I felt inspired to, I was like, I'm going to do a Facebook live tonight. Do you want to, do you want me to do it on this topic or that topic? Mm -hmm. You know, and then it engages people and they're like, I want this one. So, and then it also, I think, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about this at the time, but then it also subliminally says, okay, well, like I'm doing a Facebook live tonight, you know, and this is what the topic is. Like maybe you should show up. So I think that, um, from a sales perspective, you know, community allows people's eyes to get on you. Yeah. Um, and allows them to access you. Now, above everything else, and I love to say this, and I said I said this all the time when I was talking about Facebook groups, is that I don't ever um, suggest or recommend that anyone starts a Facebook group or does any strategy of that sort if it doesn't genuinely feel good to you. Because I think that any strategy requires energy and commitment and excitement and focus. And if you don't genuinely feel aligned with that specific strategy, it's not going to work for you in the long term. So I think a lot of people
0: yeah.
1: back in the day, or not back in the day, but like a year or so ago or two years ago, were really like, oh, I want to do Facebook groups because it's the thing. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, there's going to be another thing, whatever that is. And I think that there's this kind of unspoken peer pressure of like, I need to do that thing. But that thing only works because the people who it works for are either emotionless machines (laughs) or, you know, and like, they just don't care about feeling aligned or they genuinely feel aligned with it. The reason why I succeeded so much with Facebook groups wasn't because of Facebook groups. It was because I was obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: That makes perfect sense. And you know, that's one of the things, that's one of the premise, the reason I have a job. Uh, I mean, it really is because you can learn selling from anybody. Um, But the, one of the first things that you learn in sales school is if it feels icky, sleazy, slimy, gross, not in alignment with you, you need to find a better way because if you are participating in something that makes you want to, you know, vomit, you're not going to get the results you want anyway, and you're going to feel like crap doing it. So why would you do it? And I completely agree. I, 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 I love formulas and I love step-by-step stuff, step-by-step stuff within life, in business, as you're growing, as you're learning, but not at the expense of trusting what feels right to you. I love them as a guide, you know? Yeah. This is how I succeeded. You take it, you run with it. And when it, if it feels gross, stop, get creative, find a new way. So I, I appreciate that you shared that because I think that that is an absolutely crucial point to anything that you learn about succeeding in life or business. So two more business questions. And then I've got just a couple of personal questions, but for people who want to create community, do you have, and I'm, I'm sure that you've had the ask, been asked this question a gazillion times, but do you have a best kept secret? I know you're not doing it anymore as much, but is there a best kept secret?
1: Um, I think the first secret is you really need to want it. Right. So I, yeah. I think you can't fake what you want. So I think that's just really important, right? I think sometimes we want to want something, but we don't genuinely want it. So just let yourself to want what you want. And if if creating a community doesn't feel great to you in the context of, you know, a Facebook group or whatever, then just don't do it. So I I just want to say that. The second thing is, assuming you really do want it, um, the second thing that I always said all the time when I was talking about Facebook groups was your community will only be as excited, engaged, active, and present as you are. So I think that sometimes people have this expectation, like they're going to create a community um, and that people will like be more in it than they will. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's not, and that's, that's why you need to be really obsessed with it. That's why you need, you know, that's why you need to really show up. So I think that, um, you know, you're the leader. So you need to lead.
0: Oh my God. I love it. You're the leader. You need to lead. I I love that. It's funny because um, in, in my Facebook group, we go live a week. I go live every day, um, except Fridays, every day. um, I do some really goofy stuff that I probably wouldn't do on, you know, my business page. I might if I was feeling, if I was feeling, you know, a little bit risky or daring. But there have been seasons when I've allowed myself to get so busy that I've allowed that to drop. And the engagement drops. And it's not fun. You know, it's not fun for me. It's not fun for people. And so I think that, one of the best pieces of advice, and this is exactly what you're saying, that I, uh, it was a realization I didn't get the advice is put it on your calendar, right? Like, if if you're gonna have a Facebook group, it's on there, 9:30 every day. We go, I go in with one business truth, I sing a goofy song. We, you know, and I, and I love it and I look forward to it every day rather than, Oh crap, I got to do that Facebook live thing. You know what I mean? It's it's the first thing I do. And uh, I I absolutely love it. So I I think that's great advice. If you're, you know, if you're, you gotta be the leader, you have to lead. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So let's transition. Then it was sort of like the pendulum. I'm swinging back and forth rather than going linear. That just gives you all an insight into how messed up my mind is, but I digress. (laughs) So what about from the mindset mindset perspective? So the people listening to this show are people, for the most part, women who want to run a successful business, who want to do it in a way that feels like an extension of themselves, uh, non-icky, non-sleazy, non-slobby, but they want to make money. They want to help others. And so what's, and, and mindset may be harder. I don't know. Is there like a mindset piece of advice, best kept secret you can give people?
1: Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think that the place to start, right? Because otherwise, I think it can get really overwhelming. Is what do you want, right? So, what do you want? So, I am, um, and I've I've recently decided for myself to kind of change the word goal with divine desire because I feel like that's what desires are, right? They're they're I believe that really big desires are divinely given. So, um, what's your divine desire? And okay, great, you feel that it it feels congruent it feels in alignment and then ask yourself um like what comes up for you what limiting beliefs come up for you because that's the first step that prevents you from getting there from that prevents you from actualizing it into reality you know what thoughts do you currently have that make you feel unworthy of that desire that make you feel like that desire is not Um, Possible. that's not accessible, right? And then you start breaking those, those beliefs down and you start questioning them and you start interrogating them and you start seeing like, how is this belief keeping me safe and what is it protecting me from and what's really going on beneath the surface. And then you can start to reframe them once you kind of dig enough to really feel the truth. Um, and then that allows you to think something new, to feel something new and to take new action. So I think that's really the step, right? To get just really clear on like, what is it you want? And what are the first things that come up in your head? Because I, I feel like we can all do this, right? I, like I want to make a million dollars, right? Or I want to make $100,000 a year. I want to make a $10,000 a month. Okay, great. Amazing. Ne- then what, right? Of course, I'm yeah. positive that, that <laughs> things are coming up in your head around – I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. How do I do that? How, I can't do that. No, like no one that does what I do does that or no one, that you know, no <laughs> yes, one. I've heard that a bunch. Actually. Right. Or, yes. or, you know, I have kids or I'm a new mom or I don't know, I'm a single mom or I, I I'm too young. I'm too old. I, I, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So these are all limiting beliefs, right? So then it's like, okay, great. Amazing. You've identified your limiting beliefs. Now let's, not take them as fact anymore and take them as just a theory or not even a theory. It's just like a thought. It's a passing thought. Um, they're alleged criminals. So, you know, then, then you want to really question them and say, like, why are you here? What do you, what's your purpose? What do you want to teach me? What are you really trying to help me keep myself safe from, even though I really don't need to be kept safe from anything? Um, and then disentangling them allows you to reframe them and to ultimately take action that will then give you the $10,000 a month, the $100,000 a year, the millionaire, whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There are two things that I would, I I just, I kind of feel led to share right here. And the first thing is I, I love that you sort of called out some of those limiting beliefs, right? I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm a single mom. I'm this. You can always find a reason why not. Like, I mean, there's always a reason why not. And I get it. And all of those things may be true. Well, not I'm too young or I'm too old, but I'm a single mom or I've got kids or that that may be a truth. But just because you are those things doesn't mean that it prevents you from doing the thing that you want to do. Right. The other thing I think is I loved the word untangling. Because, and I've never heard it referred to as that. I think it's a really wise choice of words. I can remember in 2012, being in a hotel room in New York City, I had just attended Rich Happy Hot Life. And I was applying to work with Marie for a year. And I had no business working with Marie. I didn't even know what I was going to do. I was in a corporate job, didn't have a business. I mean, no business, none, zero. And I, I had a friend there with me. And we worked this thought of... I can't quit my job because I wanted to quit my job to do hell knows what. But I wanted to quit my job to go chase this dream, and we worked this thought for two and a half to three hours. And finally, at the root of it, the root thought was because there were all these thoughts that came up in the process. You're, you're, you know, you can't. You'll put, you'll put your. It's not. You're not being a responsible mom if you quit your job. You've got to feed your child. You've got a husband. You've got a mortgage. You. I mean. Like it was just, and we, I would think that we were at the thought, and then we'd dig a little further. And I'm like, no, I still can't do it. Finally, the thought was that I was an irresponsible mother if I quit my job. And working that thought was a, took a lot of work. Uh, I eventually was able to flip it to you're an irresponsible mother if you don't, because your child's going to see you working a job that you hate. She's not going to believe dreams come true. And and I, I believe this in my core, but at that time I couldn't get there, but it was a tangled up, freaked up mess, years of society, years of pressure, years of crap. Everybody's told me to get there. And so I love the word untangling because sometimes it's not as easy as you sit down, not that you said it was easy, but you sit down and say, okay, what am I telling myself? Well, I'm telling myself I can't because X, and that may be the first step towards the real belief. Does that make sense? And do you see that in your work? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, um, I I think that it, it
1: limiting beliefs didn't get born overnight. Right. So the idea of them getting disappearing overnight isn't, I mean, it can happen but I don't think that should be the general expectation because there's a lot of stuff to work through. Right. Okay. So, I mean, my, the clients that I work with, especially my private clients, they do experience pretty massive shifts within like a week or two of us working together, but it just, it's like, a it's, it's kind of like, a a domino effect, right? They're they're like, oh, I disentangled that, but then something new comes up and it's like, I disentangled that. I mean, I think that it's really great to just know like we will always live with limiting beliefs. So I don't think the idea is that, I don't think the goal is let's live in a world with no limiting beliefs or like let's live in a world with no fear, right? I I think that's just part of our human experience. I think the idea is how can we identify them um, navigate them, disentangle them, and release them as quickly and as easily as possible so that then we can move forward, right? Exactly. So I don't think the idea is not to have them. The idea is how to have a relationship with them in in the most supportive and effective of ways.
0: I love it. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, we don't usually do this with everybody, but I want to do it very quickly with you. And I also want to be respect for, res- respectful of your time, but. I really feel like I would be doing our listeners a disservice if I didn't get to talk to you about your personal life. I have been so inspired. Uh, I probably that's the first way I got to know you, was seeing your story and what you were sharing publicly as uh, you and your wife got married and had a child. And so y'all have been married since 2014, right? Yeah, I was like, exactly. well, when did we get married? I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let me tell you, the longer you're married, the harder that question will get. You know, I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, 15, 16, 400 years ago. I don't know. Right. Like so tell us about, and, and some of these questions may be t- cheesy. I've just got a couple, but tell us about the day that the United States government said, you know what? Love wins. You can get married. What does that feel like?
1: It felt really awesome. It felt like a day that I didn't know what was going to happen in my lifetime. Really? Like, interesting because before then, there was only a handful of states that legalized gay marriage. Um, and what's interesting is at the time, I was living in New York City. Jenna and I were together. We were in New York City. And we specifically got married in New York city. Cause we have family in Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania was, had not legalized gay marriage. Um, and so we specifically got married in New York city and didn't even look at Pennsylvania because we're like, we're not giving any money to any state that doesn't you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all that stuff. So, and, you know, we ended up moving to Pennsylvania, but we would never have moved here or definitely with a lot more resistance if, if it hadn't been legalized. So, um, it was, you know, it's funny because it's, it's now been, I think, two and a half years because it was June, I think it was June of 2015.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: That it happened. Um, so it, it's, it's not like a recent, recent memory, but um, no, but it was like a really wild and awesome and like, whoa, like we're, we're living in a, a pretty awesome world, at least that day I felt.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it was amazing.
0: I think that, you know, one of the things that I'm a history nerd, I love history. I love actually political history. I'm a freak. Um, but I, as I, I think about that day and, you know, all that's gone on since then and just all the noise and the crap and the bullying. And I think, you know what, that's that day is government done right. And it's years and years and years in the making but that day that's what we need to stand for and you know to think about community remember on facebook how everything turned to the rainbow and i mean that facebook was a a, you know a community is a community too just like our facebook groups and it was such a beautiful beautiful thing um talk to us about your baby you've referenced your son Mm -hmm. so how is it that you all came to have a son So, um, I mean, this could be a podcast in and of itself. Um, so, you know, Jenna
1: and I knew that we wanted to have a baby. Um, and I, I mean, I'll I'll do this story really fast, but because it could be so long, but I had a plan on getting pregnant. Um, I was on, I mean, I still am, but I was on, um, anxiety medicine at the time and I had lowered it, um, to in preparation of getting pregnant. And it just was not a great idea eventually because, um it's just it it was not a great idea so um which is great I mean that that's like that could be a book in and of itself but the point is that then we decided because I still very much wanted a biological biological child I still very much you know I I was definitely the type of person that like wanted to be pregnant that wanted to have a baby and all that stuff so the idea of not not only not becoming pregnant but also not having a bio- biological child just felt kind of too devastating for me. So we decided to do IVF. It's actually called reciprocal IVF when um when one woman kind of removes their eggs. It's it's like surrogacy, I guess, in a way, but reciprocal IVF it's in the context of I guess a partnership. So I removed my eggs, they got fertilized, um, and then Jenna became pregnant with That's amazing. It was not me. you know it's it's still amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah.
0: Amazing. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm gonna invite both of y'all, and of course, to to um to the show to tell that story because I I I, I would love to hear it. But um, yeah, I'm kind of speechless. I'm sorry. So that's awesome. And and so today, your son's how old? Ten months. Ten months old. Oh my god, what a good age! It's Laughing good age. and oh, really trying to walk. Age. Oh, what a good age! So today, as you look back over the past two and a half to three years, right you've gotten you know you've seen the legalization in the in the United States of America except what love wins that's all I know to say love wins and you you've had the the ups and downs of trying to get pregnant and trying to come off anxiety medicine, which is a, is a story in and of itself as well, right I mean that's yeah. Yes. That women need to hear. Yeah. Women need to hear. And then you have this child that is biologically yours that was carried by your wife. It's like the best of both worlds.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, what I said before, how like the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. Yeah, that's
0: exactly what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, it's interesting because when I was going through um, all of this anxiety as a result of lowering my medicine... I was like, what is the purpose of this? I knew that there was a purpose, but I was like, what is the purpose of this? Because like, holy hell, like, yeah. <laughs> like what, what is the purpose of it? So, um, but really like, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but like that birthed Parker, you know, like yeah. if I hadn't been... If, if i mean it's like so weird to say that like anxiety birth parker because it's it's i think it's more there's a better way of saying it because that sounds a little strange but i mean really i um i mean i think it was also like bravery birth, birth parker in the sense that like i made a decision i could have in theory still tried to be pregnant you know um but i made a decision um and it was kind of like what you were saying like i felt like am i being like it was a decision of being like i am being this is this is my first opportunity to be a good mom before actually becoming a mom and deciding yeah. to not be pregnant yeah um so that it would be the best for you know my child I didn't know who he was going to be a son but like my my child and my family and myself um and he came from that bravery because you know if if I had just gotten pregnant like it wouldn't have been Parker it would have been someone else yep um and like it had to have been parker you know he's just like such he's a very i mean i'm sure all parents kind of say this but um he's a very sweet and special soul you know that um he's just like a very he's like a very remarkable human you know it's it, it, it he's and and people like people will comment on it like even family who like they'll just be like he's he's very pleasant and i'm like he is very ple- he just he's a very gentle and um and sweet soul, so like
0: yeah
1: he, he's a the, the person we should have always had
0: I have a, a friend who is way more intelligent spiritually than me. she studied everything, and she said this to me one time, and I have loved it forever. She says, "Your kids choose you they choose you and yeah. and, and I just you know and 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 so. I don't know where, whatever you believe, but you know, if Parker's soul or whatever is up there and, and, and this is the step, the steps that it took for him to come to you. I mean, what a beautiful, uh,
1: yeah. We always say thank you for choosing us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I have taken way more of your time than I should have, but I want to say thank you so much. I love you. I love your story. I love how open and honest you are about the struggles of not knowing, but taking inspired action about recognizing your limiting beliefs about self-care, which we didn't even dive into and I wanted to um, because, you know, I have my own struggles with self-care and about your personal story. It is one of the most inspiring stories I've heard in my life ever. So thank you for being so open and honest. Thank you. Yeah. For those of y'all listening, you can check out Jordana at nourishboss.com. We will link that in, in, in the notes as well. And listen you want to feel inspired. You want to feel good about the world. This woman, who's an introvert, so you know, be respectful, but this woman's story is amazing. Remember her name. She's got stuff to teach. Thank you all for being here. I believe in you. I believe in your business. And you know what? Have faith. Love wins.